You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Indians fans, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7, currently independent, Today, we have a lot to talk about, as we talked about on yesterday's show. We profiled some Rule 5 players, and I explained why I didn't think the Indians would lose anyone. Uh, the players I profiled, none of them were selected, and the Indians lost a pair of players after not having lost players in a few years. Both were logical losses, and the Indians' selection is a very interesting one. They did not lose anyone in the minor league section of the draft, but they did add someone. So we have four players in particular we'll talk about over the course of today's show, explaining where they fit in and why. Let's start with probably, I think to the traditional fan, the biggest name, and that would be Kaye Tom, who went to the athletics. And, you know, I I had some athletics people quoting me on this, uh, some beat writers and the like, but the basic truth of the matter when you look at Kaye Tom is he's always performed, right? Like, he doesn't hit for a lot of power, and he's five foot eight, five foot nine. He is not a big guy, uh, and that has held him back as well during his minor league career in terms of like his scouting. And he also had a knee injury early on that caused him to miss some time, so he was never like young for his level. Like he never had that advantage. Basically, he never had anything that made him stand out in terms of uh, being a draftable play or not being a prospect, except he hit. And he hit, and he hit, and again, undersized, doesn't run well, doesn't have great physical tools, uh, does not have a lot of reasons why you would go, hey, this guy's going to be a star, doesn't really have a good enough arm for right, shouldn't have good enough wheels for center, but people I saw in the minors liked him, and I think as a backup, he can cover three outfield spots. Uh, You know, if he's going to be an everyday player, that's likely in left, but Go back to college, two years at Kentucky, SEC, top shelf competition. What's he do as a senior? He hits 375 with a 443 on base. High level production in the SEC. You go through his time in the minors, and his worst season was in 2018 in uh, his first stop in Akron. 728 OPS, 245 average, 329 on base percentage, 399 slugging. He's just consistently hit. And why you're bullish on him is his walk percentage through his minor league career is over 11%. His strikeout percentage is under 20%. His bat pips are over 320, which are signs of positive contact. If he was a plus runner, he'd be a better prospect. If he had more height, he'd be a better prospect. And for as much as we talk about, like, you know, his power is going to be a below average skill, he hit 14 home runs in 81 games in Akron. That's no small feat. Then Akron Paul Park is not an easy place to hit for home runs, and he hit them there. And he has shown more power later on uh, through his minor league career. And you just, in general, his exit velocity. And when you look at things like exit velocity and uh, swing uh, path and things like that, he actually has hard hit rates and exit velocities that are above average. His slugging is better than one would expect. I think there is more power than he gets credit for. And Again, he hit in college at the highest level. He's hit throughout the minors. He has never really had a hiccup. 
He can, in a pinch, handle all three spots in the outfield. And again, the Indians have used Mike Freeman in an outfield spot. They have used much worse defenders than Kaye Tom. But he is five foot eight, five foot nine, an average to slightly below average runner with a fringe arm. If he had just one thing in his corner outside of the fact that outside of production, I think he'd have already gotten a chance with the Indians. He should have probably got a chance last year. The production has been through, you know, not off the charts, but the production just keeps coming back and he keeps performing and he keeps performing and he keeps getting better. It's the classic profile of a guy who breaks out, not necessarily as a star, but, you know, Cole Calhoun was not a big prospect and then put up, you know, some really strong years for the Angels. I'm not saying he's Cole Calhoun. He does not have that power profile, in my opinion, but I'm saying he could turn into a starter. I can honestly see a situation where Kaye Tom becomes a league average starter, which frankly, the Indians have not produced a league average starter in the outfield since Luke Scott. (laughs) Again, a guy who never really played for them. Uh, Kaye Tom will probably move right into that Robbie Grossman role. The A's have done really well in the Rule 5. Mark uh, Kaneha was another recent Rule 5 pick for them, who was, again, someone who wasn't supposed to be much and has turned into a solid starter for them. I would not be surprised at all. I think Kaye Tom sticks. I think he plays a lot, and I think the Indians come to regret this a little bit. I could be wrong, but again, it's he has performed consistently. There's never been a down year. His worst year, he was closer to league average than bad. All of the data supports that this guy is a good player. He's just not big. He's not fast. He's not athletic. But he performs. And, you know, that's I've probably said that refrain about three times already. But just the truth. Like, this is the profile you look for. And it's the reason a few years ago why I was really high on like Adam Duvall before the Reds got him or or Scott Shebler, who has not worked out as well, though he had a a good peak with uh, Cincinnati. And you can go through a large series of guys who have overperformed where they were thought to be, what they were thought to be, and the profile is very similar. Either it's size, it's, you know, low draft position, it's whatever that is this is what you're looking for. This is how you find that player who ends up outperforming everyone's expectations is exactly what uh, Kaye Tom is. So let's talk about the other loss today. Oviedo. I keep wanting to say John, but that's the uh, Cardinals pitcher. Lewis is the Indians pitcher. Two years ago, I was extremely bullish on him in, gosh, no, three years ago now, 2018. Yeah, 2018. Well, I guess still technically two years ago, but... <laughs> He uh, he was so good in Mahoning Valley, and he was young for the level, and he had a high strikeout rate with a low walk rate, but his conditioning has not been great. So his velocity has gone up and down. His conditioning has gone up and down. You know, his, his secondary pitches look good. Uh, he looked good in the winter, uh, but I've heard mixed reports on his conditioning. I think that that's why the Indians didn't want to stick with him. Yes, he's upper 90s, but then when you're like upper 90s with up and down conditioning that can be a scary combination and you know if you look at he was drafted by the Mets I'm curious how much they get you know you never find out exactly like how much he got they got paid to then sell him to the Pirates and on the Pirates end of things why not right like they're just gonna probably move him right in the pen that's probably his uh his role for them and they're gonna be a really bad team they had the first overall pick and they took a guy who's been hurt, uh, who I think most people didn't, 
you know, think had any was going to be selected because he hasn't pitched in, you know, multiple years due to injury and the loss of last season. But the Pirates are bad. They know they're bad. And they're going to just stick a lot of these arms in the back and see what happens. And again, I think Oviedo is is almost a slam dunk. He is not returning to the Indians. Uh, just because the Pirates are so bad, they can find a spot for him in that bullpen. So the Indians lose Oviedo. Again, it's kind of interesting that they still have Juan Carlos Mejia on the roster. Like, I'm kind of like, really? Or like Bo Taylor. <laughs> like, these guys are still on roster. I mean, Mejia, they must really like something because they, you know, he was not, he's never been good in the minors, but there's enough there that they have uh, stuck with him. But Bo Taylor is just head scratching to me that uh, you could have, you know, taken him off a while ago. And I don't think there was much fear of losing him. I get they, you know, once they lost players in arbitration, you can't add anyone. We're past the add date at that point in time, but they could have added either of these guys instead of, uh, and gotten rid of Bo Taylor, and I'm pretty sure Bo Taylor could have come back on a minor league invite. But uh, the interesting thing here is, remember that for each of these selections, I had it wrong yesterday, it's 100000 So the Indians made 100000 with each of those selections. Now, they lost 100000 when they made their own selection, but still, they are up 100000 right now. Um, and even if both teams offer to return those players and the Indians keep theirs, they'll at worst break even on this Rule 5 draft. So if the Indians end up keeping Trevor Steffian, who we'll talk about in the second half of the show, and then keep uh, and get back Tom and Oviedo, they would at least break even. No money lost on the Rule 5 this year. Our sponsor today is Built Bar. I don't know why I'm doing a a jingle. I'm I'm not musical. Built Bar doesn't need a jingle. They are that good. Trying to keep things fresh here, people. And I still love and use Built Bar daily. Again, I had the strawberry for lunch today. Uh, I'm looking forward to the new box we're getting from them. I'm hoping that maybe they'll throw in some bonus flavors so I can tell you about those. Uh, the candy apple is pretty good, but uh, I think I'm preferring the peanut buttery-based ones, if that is your thing as well. Chocolate is always very solid. All of it's good. <laughs> I have used this product so many times. I can totally say Built Bar is worth your time. They're worth your money. It's just a delicious tasting bar that is good for you. My phone app gives it an A to an A plus depending on the bar. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, get 20% off your order. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, you won't regret it. Nor will the Indians regret Trevor Steffian. Good transition, bad transition, what do you think? Uh, I do want to tease for next week though before we get into that, uh, that we are going to have our special guest on Wednesday. Um, We are switching soon to the three-day-a-week model. Special guest, uh, a very dear friend, trying to give away a little bit here. But uh, it's a fun talk because I am talking with someone who I consider like a a dear friend in the industry. So you'll want to check that out. Any news happens, we'll cover it. Uh, Keep sending me emails, uh, messages on Facebook, the like, and I will get back to all of those. Tell me what more you want to hear, what questions you might have. Um, Zane, Zane, Zahn, I hope you're doing well. I haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, I always get curious when people kind of jump in and out. Uh, other people on Facebook and on Twitter, let me know. Questions, things to handle. What do you want over the, the next few weeks? We'll have those guests every Wednesday. Spend some time doing some history. I've already covered the entire league in terms of uh, potential, you know, trades that make sense on a surface level but are there other players are there other things what else would you like to hear me cover please let me know to go back now 
Uh, Trevor Steffian's a player that I liked back to his Arkansas days. He was a junior college player who went to Arkansas, and I had a late first-round grade on him. I wanted the Indians to take him over Quentin Holmes. So, hey, I got that right. And Tyler Freeman. So, hey, I got that wrong. Uh, I've always been on record. I was not the biggest Ty Freeman guy out of high school. I thought it was a limited profile. But that is one of those areas that I also know that I am learning about. Like, that is the type of player. And if you listen, go back and listen to our draft podcast. I talked about Milan Tolentino and how there's some Tyler Freeman there and the same thing with Carson Tucker and how that's a profile that I don't always love, but it's very easy for it to be successful. And that is why the Indians keep drafting those types. And that is also why I'm kind of reevaluating my view on those types because again I missed on Freeman I I was not happy with that selection at all and it's worked out so the important thing I think with anything is to make sure you're evolving if you are not evolving as an evaluator then uh, you're not doing your job you have to learn you have to grow Uh, eventually I'll have a guest on here I already talked with him Uh, I don't even know if it's his real name Sandy Kazmier is his uh profile on Twitter and he does some amazing advanced uh, stats like graphs and numbers and we're just gonna maybe even do like a multi-shower just to talk in the future but I told him I go I don't even understand everything you always do but I think it's important to learn new things and that is why to circle back uh, I missed on Freeman because you know I took the lesson from that and that's why I'm going learning going forward but why was Stephanie a guy I liked well I think it's a big deal when you step right into the SEC and pitch like he did. 11.87 strikeouts per nine. 1.98 walks per nine. He was, Blaine Knight was the uh, the big pitcher there. And I mean, I was a big fan of Knight's when he was a draft eligible sophomore. I should go and see what he, he's been doing for Baltimore. Haven't heard his name in a while, so I'm assuming it's not the best, but we'll see. 120 strikeouts to 20 walks. Seven home runs given up. Just awesome. He, uh, he ends up going to the third round to the Yankees. In 2017, he pitches in New York Penn League and in rookie ball, and the numbers are very similar. He gets into low A and double A in 2018, and low A, 10.76 strikeouts per nine, 1.98 home runs per nine, double A, 9.83 and 3.13, so a bit of a jump. Next year, he is back in high A, and the... The numbers are good in terms of walk and strikeout. Double A control issues there again. And I was, I'll be honest, like I I interacted with his agent before the draft. I think that's something I can be honest and talk about. Uh, Now agents, I think he has a a really nice agent, a really good agent. Uh, But, you know, they'll tell you a lot of things. So I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, you never really know exactly everything you're being told. It's not that you're ever lied to, but they're going to give you kind of blanket information uh, when it comes to players. But I was told back then that the Indians were a team that was talking to them. Now, take that for what it's worth. Uh, I think probably every team had talked to them to some degree because they had one of the top pitchers in the SEC. But the Indians did show an interest. And while they did not draft him, they picked him up today, and it's been a bit of a time since they had taken a player in the Rule 5 draft. We had that big talk online today, you know, discussing multiple players, as we were trying to remember. And the correct answer for the last Indians draft pick was Holby Milner, 
Uh, I can't recall the year, but that was the last player that they had drafted. So Steffian throws hard. He's fastball slider right now. Whitlock, the Yankees lost, I think, at least three guys. Garrett Whitlock and Kyle Holder as well. Uh, Whitlock's probably a better chance at a starter. Steffian's probably more of a reliever. But here's the thing. He has shown at points the ability to have control. He has shown a really good, like at least a 55-grade fastball, 55-grade slider, two above-average pitches. The Indians saw something here they liked. The Indians are very good at identifying pitching and at identifying issues with pitching. The Yankees know the Indians are so good at that so much that they went and signed the Indians' pitching coordinator to come be their new coach in the majors. Their pitching coach, you know, with Matt Blake. They do not have that necessarily in the minors. And they have a lot of interesting guys who have come up through the minors, but they have not, I mean, Servino's hurt, right? I mean, who is the last pitcher they've, who's been a consistent player for them? That's just hasn't occurred so far. The Indians see something they can fix here. I'm not saying he's going to be, they're going to fix him. He's going to be some kind of great starter. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they're going to fix him and he's going to become the next closer for the Indians. I'm saying they see enough here and enough that they can work with him to get over what his issues have been. Maybe, you know, there's something flying out when he's pitching. Maybe it's just a small uh, correction. Maybe there's something with the body mechanics, which is something the Indians are very good at noticing. That's why when Kyle Dowdy came to the Indians, he all of a sudden gained like four miles an hour on his fastball from the Tigers. This is what the Indians excel at. And they saw something here. And that's why you have to sit back and go, this is a team that does not take players in the Rule 5 draft. This is a team who would rather hold on to that $100,000. And this is a year maybe more than any other where they'd rather hold on to that $100,000. But they went out and added this guy. And that shows me that not only do they like what he can do, what he does have, but they probably see something they can do to improve his game. Because right now, there's no sign that this is a guy who's going to be a reliever in the big leagues. But the Indians drafted a guy in the Rule 5 draft who they spent $100,000 because they think there is a chance that he can make this big league roster. And again, this is a team that is counting every penny. So that's that's a big investment. And yes, part of me wonders if they had not had a player selected, would they have been able to take this gamble? I don't know. You know, you wonder if it is kind of a direct line there. Well, they lost a player, so then they knew they had $100,000 coming in anyway, so they could turn around and use that. Uh, we'll never know that answer. But I like Trevor Steffian. The Yankees are not good at pitching development. I, you know, I saw some people talking about the Lance Lynn deal and how the Yankees should have been on it because Clark Schmidt is a similar prospect, and I categorically don't agree with that. Like, I like Clark Schmidt, but Dane Dunning has a much, much higher ceiling, and I don't think, uh, you know, and Schmidt is the next guy up for the Yankees, but I don't think he's a top 100 guy um, at all, and we're still not sure about Davey Garcia, and, you know, you go through, it's not been a stellar group. And why do I bring that up? Not to disparage the Yankees, but because they're not doing a great job there in their pitching development. The Indians got an arm from an organization that is right now struggling to develop pitching and has had to go out and consistently trade and or sign pitchers because they cannot sign anyone. They cannot or they cannot develop anyone. And that inability to develop has forced them to find other ways. 
So if you're looking for an arm who could have some value, it makes sense to go to an organization that is development is not great, who is struggling in their development and get an interesting arm with some potential. I wouldn't be shocked if Stefan turns into a really strong reliever for the Indians this year. I'm just going to put it out there. And that is why I love this pick. Uh, I think it's fantastic. That fastball slider can play up. I mean, Aaron Savali is kind of a similar player in my mind in terms of fastball slider and not too much beyond that. Like they've had a lot of success with that fastball slider combo and working on some other stuff. So I am, I'm all for this. I think it's a great ad by the Indians, but they weren't done. Now, the other player they added is in the minor league section of the draft. It is, I th- you know, I think I was looking, it's like 25000 to add that player. And we'll talk about uh, Chris Roller. Yes, Chris Roller. I talked to someone who actually knows him. So that was a fun thing. Uh, former 30th round pick, senior out of uh, McLennan Community College when he was drafted by the Dodgers back in 2017 or 20 yeah 2017 he's uh not a big guy he's hit well in the minors but he's always been old for his level he's always been someone who's a bit more advanced good defender by all accounts uh played well for the great lake loons uh back in 2019 but he was a 22 year old playing in a ball not in high a just a He's a he's a depth center fielder for an organization that does not have a ton of center fielders up the middle right now, even in the lower levels. And he's going to be a good defender. He can play you know multiple outfield spots, cover those areas. Um, you know we talked about the Rule Five being a bit of a crapshoot. The the minor league portion. I don't even know if any team has ever gotten a future major leaguer out of the minor league portion of the draft. That would be a, an interesting thing to dive into. But it is more about your minor league depth. So the Indians went out and got, you know, by all accounts, a good guy, decent athlete, strong defender, probably will start in lower high A. And the interesting thing here is more the fact that with teams cutting out a whole level in their minors, there is going to be a big cutting of minor league talent. So eventually, once they finalize exactly what is going to happen with the minors this year, there's going to be probably 20 to 30 players cut per team. Uh, he could have been someone on the block with the Rangers just due to his age. Instead, he's going to be with the Indians. And they went out and paid some money to add this dude, so he is going to be with the Indians. He's going to stick around. I can't see them paying for someone just to then cut him later. So the Indians liked him enough to do that. That's, again, not something you uh, necessarily expect to see. At this point in time, the Indians spending extra money on minor league depth and the like, but they did it here, and that gives you an idea that there is some value here. They do have some belief in him uh, as you know a good depth guy, maybe a potential future backup, uh, utility type. But Chris Roller and Trevor Steffian additions to the Indians minor leagues, and at this point in time, you know, on a very basic level, hey, the Indians are currently up almost $100,000 from the Rule 5. They lost two interesting talents. They gained one interesting talent, and they gained some some depth. But uh, I think it was a fun day. I think it was an interesting draft. It was fun pouring over the results. Didn't even really get a chance to look through too many of the other results when I was looking at uh, the draft in and of itself. I was so focused on just 
the Indians and everything else. But, you know, the Dodgers and the Yankees certainly lost more than a few players. Uh, the Marlins added a few. The, uh, you know, there were some, the Pirates added a few. It was interesting seeing someone like the Phillies go out and add Kyle Holder, who could be a, a backup utility guy for them, uh, which they need. Uh, it was a Paul Campbell was a guy who was like high up on every talking list about the rule five. And he, uh, he goes to the Marlins who also then make a trade to go and get Zach pop. Who was another like just interesting pitcher who was part of that Machado return. And there were some interesting players that got selected. It was an odd draft because we just don't have the, you know, the track record. We don't have the knowledge of these players to figure out, uh, what they did last year and to see uh, what they could be in the future. I, you know, you, there's no one at the top of this draft that really makes you go, wow, this was not one that there was a single name that I thought was, I mean, Paul Campbell is probably the guy that, you know, is just the, due to his spin rate, he was the big name in this draft. And the big name in this draft went 17th overall. Omar Estevez, who is almost uniformly considered the top hitter in this class, doesn't get drafted. Uh, in terms of just bats, you're looking at guys like, you know, Kaye Tom got taken. I talked about Kyle Holder. I'm like, were there more than those two in terms of hitters? Those might have been the only two hitters taken. Uh, I, I forgot the first hitter off the board, Akil Badu. Really interesting guy who just can't stay healthy. So, yeah, it's uh, it's always a fun time. And then how about like Oakland coming back and taking another player and Baltimore coming back and taking another player in the second round? Uh, it's it's always interesting to go through all of this. Uh, the only other things to talk about, the Mets took Drew Ferguson, who we talked about in the in the uh, the minor league phase, who we did talk about on the show yesterday. And you know, there's just you could go through so many names got taken in that second man, Matt Crook, who boy did that fall apart for him. Uh, you know, like first round pick to Oregon, I believe, right? Just control issues galore. I mean, you can just keep going. Like I would recommend going and looking at the list if you like prospects. It's just fun to pour through. It is something else where I could like spend the next hour just talking about the minor league portion. But we're already at 26 minutes. So <laughs> instead, I'm going to remind you to download daily. That helps the show out a bunch. Uh, go rate and review it. That helps us as well. Go to our sponsor, BuiltBar.com. Follow me on Twitter if you're not, at JeffMLBDraft. And as always, go Tribe.